Section 10 of Jane Austen's Juvenilia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Jane Austen's Juvenilia. A Collection of Letters, Part 3. Letter the Fifth and Scraps. Letter the Fifth. From a young lady very much in love to her friend. My uncle gets more stingy, my aunt more particular, and I more in love every day. What shall we all be at this rate by the end of the year? I had this morning the happiness of receiving the following letter from my dear Musgrove. Sackville Street, January 7th. It is a month to-day since I first beheld my lovely Henrietta, and the sacred anniversary must and shall be kept in a manner becoming the day, by writing to her. Never shall I forget the moment when her beauties first broke on my sight. No time, as you well know, can erase it from my memory. It was at Lady Scudamore's, happy Lady Scudamore, to live within a mile of the divine Henrietta. When the lovely creature first entered the room, oh, what were my sensations! The sight of you was like the sight of a wonderful fine thing. I started, I gazed at her with admiration. She appeared every moment more charming, and the unfortunate Musgrove became a captive to your charms before I had time to look about me. Yes, madam, I had the happiness of adoring you, and happiness for which I cannot be too grateful. What, said he to himself, is Musgrove allowed to die for Henrietta? Enviable mortal! And may he pine for her who is the object of universal admiration— who is adored by a colonel and toasted by a baronet. Adorable Henrietta, how beautiful you are! I declare you are quite divine. You are more than mortal. You are an angel. You are Venus herself. In short, madam, you are the prettiest girl I ever saw in my life. And her beauty is increased in her Musgrove's eyes by permitting him to love her and allowing me to hope. And ah, angelic Miss Henrietta, Heaven is my witness how ardently I do hope for the death of your villainous uncle and his abandoned wife, since my fair one will not consent to be mine till their decease has placed her in affluence above what my fortune can procure, though it is an improvable estate. Cruel Henrietta, to persist in such a resolution! I am at present with my sister, where I mean to continue, till my own house, which, though an excellent one, is at present somewhat out of repair, is ready to receive me. Amiable princess of my heart, farewell! Of that heart which trembles while it signs itself, your most ardent admirer and devoted humble servant, T. Musgrove. There is a pattern for a love-letter, Matilda. Did you ever read such a masterpiece of writing? Such sense, such sentiment, such purity of thought, such flow of language, and such unfeigned love in one sheet? No, never I can answer for it, since a Musgrove is not to be met with by every girl. Oh, how I long to be with him! I intend to send him the following in answer to his letter to-morrow. My dearest Musgrove, words cannot express how happy your letter made me. I thought I should have cried for joy, for I love you better than anybody in the world. I think you the most amiable and the handsomest man in England, and so to be sure you are. I never read so sweet a letter in my life. Do write me another just like it, 
and tell me you are in love with me in every other line. I quite die to see you. How shall we manage to see one another, for we are so much in love that we cannot live asunder? Oh, my dear Musgrove, you cannot think how impatiently I wait for the death of my uncle and aunt. If they will not die soon, I believe I shall run mad, for I get more in love with you every day of my life. How happy your sister is to enjoy the pleasure of your company in her house, and how happy everybody in London must be because you are there. I hope you will be so kind as to write to me again soon, for I never read such sweet letters as yours. I am, my dearest Musgrove, most truly and faithfully, yours for ever and ever. Henrietta Halton I hope you will like my answer. It is as good a one as I can write, though nothing to his. Indeed, I had always heard what a dab he was at a love-letter. I saw him, you know, for the first time at Lady Scudamore's, and when I saw her ladyship afterwards, she asked me how I liked her cousin Musgrove. "'Why, upon my word,' said I, "'I think he is a very handsome young man.' "'I am glad you think so,' replied she, "'for he is distractedly in love with you.' "'Law, Lady Scudamore,' said I, "'how can you talk so ridiculously?' "'Nay, tis very true,' answered she, "'I assure you, for he was in love with you "'from the first moment he beheld you.' "'I wish it may be true,' said I, for that is the only kind of love I would give a farthing for. There is some sense in being in love at first sight. Well, I give you joy of your conquest, replied Lady Scudamore, and I believe it to have been a very complete one. I am sure it is not a contemptible one, for my cousin is a charming young fellow, has seen a great deal of the world, and writes the best love-letters I ever read. This made me very happy, and I was excessively pleased with my conquest. However, I thought it was proper to give myself a few airs, so I said to her, "'This is all very pretty, Lady Scudamore, but you know that we young ladies who are heiresses must not throw ourselves away upon men who have no fortune at all.' "'My dear Miss Halton,' said she, "'I am as much convinced of that as you can be, and I do assure you that I should be the last person to encourage your marrying anyone who had not some pretensions to expect a fortune with you. Mr. Musgrove is so far from being poor that he has an estate of several hundreds a year which is capable of great improvement, and an excellent house, though at present it is not quite in repair. If that is the case, replied I, I have nothing more to say against him. And if, as you say, he is an informed young man and can write a good love-letter, I am sure I have no reason to find fault with him for admiring me, though perhaps I may not marry him for all that, Lady Scudamore. You are certainly under no obligation to marry him, answered her ladyship, except that which love himself will dictate to you, for if I am not greatly mistaken, you are at this very moment, unknown to yourself, cherishing a most tender affection for him. "'Law, Lady Scudamore,' replied I, blushing, "'how can you think of such a thing?' "'Because every look, every word betrays it,' answered she. "'Come, my dear Henrietta, consider me as a friend, and be sincere with me. "'Do not you prefer Mr. Musgrove to any man of your acquaintance?' "'Pray do not ask me such questions, Lady Scudamore,' said I, turning away my head, "'for it is not fit for me to answer them.' 
"'Nay, my love,' replied she, "'now you confirm my suspicions. "'But why, Henrietta, should you be ashamed to own a well-placed love, "'or why refuse to confide in me?' "'I am not ashamed to own it,' said I, taking courage. "'I do not refuse to confide in you, "'or blush to say that I do love your cousin Mr. Musgrove, "'that I am sincerely attached to him, "'for it is no disgrace to love a handsome man.' If you were plain, indeed, I might have had reason to be ashamed of a passion, which must have been mean since the object would have been unworthy. But with such a figure and face, and such beautiful hair as your cousin has, why should I blush to own that such superior merit has made an impression on me? My sweet girl, said Lady Scudamore, embracing me with great affection, what a delicate way of thinking you have in these matters! "'and what a quick discernment for one of your years! "'Oh, how I honour you for such noble sentiments!' "'Do you, ma'am?' said I. "'You are vastly obliging. "'But pray, Lady Scudamore, "'did your cousin himself tell you of his affection for me? "'I shall like him the better if he did, "'for what is a lover without a confidant?' "'Oh, my love,' replied she, "'you were born for each other.' Every word you say more deeply convinces me that your minds are actuated by the invisible power of sympathy, for your opinions and sentiments so exactly coincide. Nay, the color of your hair is not very different. Yes, my dear girl, the poor despairing Musgrove did reveal to me the story of his love. Nor was I surprised at it. I know not how it was, but I had a kind of presentiment that he would be in love with you. Well, but how did he break it to you? It was not till after supper. We were sitting round the fire together, talking on indifferent subjects, though, to say the truth, the conversation was chiefly on my side, for he was thoughtful and silent, when on a sudden he interrupted me, in the midst of something I was saying, by exclaiming in a most theatrical tone, "'Yes, I am in love, I feel it now, and Henrietta Halton has undone me.' "'Oh, what a sweet way,' replied I, "'of declaring his passion, to make such a couple of charming lines about me. "'What a pity it is that they were not in rhyme.' "'I am very glad you like it,' answered she. "'To be sure, there was a great deal of taste in it.' "'And are you in love with her cousin?' said I. "'I am very sorry for it. "'for unexceptional as you are in every respect, "'with a pretty estate capable of great improvements, "'and an excellent house, though somewhat out of repair, "'yet who can hope to aspire with success "'to the adorable Henrietta, "'who has had an offer from a colonel "'and been toasted by a baronet?' "'That I have,' cried I. "'Lady Scudamore continued. "'Ah, dear cousin,' replied he, I am so well convinced of the little chance I have of winning her who is adored by thousands, that I need no assurances of yours to make me more thoroughly so. Yet surely neither you or the fair Henrietta herself will deny me the exquisite gratification of dying for her, of falling a victim to her charms, and when I am dead, continued her, "'Oh, Lady Scudamore,' said I, wiping my eyes, "'that such a sweet creature should talk of dying.' "'It is an affecting circumstance indeed,' replied Lady Scudamore. "'When I am dead,' said he, "'let me be carried and lain at her feet, 
and perhaps she may not disdain to drop a pitying tear on my poor remains. Dear Lady Scudamore, interrupted I, say no more on this affecting subject. I cannot bear it. Oh, how I admire the sweet sensibility of your soul, and as I would not for worlds wound it too deeply, I will be silent. Pray go on, said I. She did so. And then added he, Ah, cousin, imagine what my transports will be when I feel the dear precious drops trickle on my face. Who would not die to haste such ecstasy? And when I am interred, may the divine Henrietta bless some happier youth with her affection. May he be as tenderly attached to her as the hapless Musgrove, and while he crumbles to dust, may they live an example of felicity in the conjugal state. Did you ever hear anything so pathetic? What a charming wish to be lain at my feet when he was dead! Oh, what an exalted mind he must have to be capable of such a wish! Lady Scudamore went on. Ah, my dear cousin, replied I to him, such noble behavior as this must melt the heart of any woman, however obdurate it may naturally be. And could the divine Henrietta but hear your generous wishes for her happiness, all gentle as is her mind, I have not a doubt that she would pity your affection and endeavor to return it. Oh, cousin, answered he, do not endeavor to raise my hopes by such flattering assurances. No, I cannot hope to please this angel of a woman, and the only thing which remains for me to do is to die. True love is never desponding, replied I. But I, my dear Tom, will give you even greater hopes of conquering this fair one's heart than I have yet given you, by assuring you that I have watched her with the strictest attention during the whole day, and could plainly discover that she cherishes in her bosom, though unknown to herself, a most tender affection for you. Dear Lady Scudamore, cried I, this is more than I ever knew. Did not I say that it was unknown to yourself? I did not, continued I to him, encourage you by saying this at first, that surprise might render the pleasure still greater. No, cousin, replied he in a languid voice, nothing will convince me that I can have touched the heart of Henrietta Halton. And if you are deceived yourself, do not attempt deceiving me. In short, my love, it was the work of some hours for me to persuade the poor despairing youth that you had really a preference for him. But when, at last, he could no longer deny the force of my arguments, or discredit what I told him, his transports, his raptures, his ecstasies are beyond my power to describe. Oh, the dear creature, cried I, how passionately he loves me! But, dear Lady Scudamore, did you tell him that I was totally dependent on my uncle and aunt? Yes, I told him everything. And what did he say? He exclaimed with virulence against uncles and aunts, accused the laws of England for allowing them to possess their estates when wanted by their nephews or nieces, and wished he were in the House of Commons, that he might reform the legislature and rectify all its abuses. "'Oh, the sweet man, what a spirit he has!' said I. He could not flatter himself, he added, that the adorable Henrietta would condescend for his sake to resign those luxuries and that splendor to which she had been used, 
and accept only in exchange the comforts and elegancies which his limited income could afford her, even supposing that his house were in readiness to receive her. I told him that it could not be expected that she would. It would be doing her an injustice to suppose her capable of giving up the power she now possesses, and so nobly uses of doing such extensive good to the poorer part of her fellow-creatures, merely for the gratification of you and herself. "'To be sure,' said I, "'I am very charitable every now and then.' "'And what did Mr. Musgrove say to this?' He replied that he was under a melancholy necessity of owning the truth of what I said, and that therefore, if he should be the happy creature destined to be the husband of the beautiful Henrietta, he must bring himself to wait, however impatiently, for the fortunate day, when she might be freed from the power of worthless relations, and able to bestow herself on him. "'What a noble creature he is! Oh, Matilda, what a fortunate one I am, who am to be his wife! My aunt is calling me to come and make the pies. So adieu, my dear friend, and believe me, yours, etc. H. Halton Venus Scraps to Miss Fanny Catherine Austin. My dear niece, as I am prevented by the great distance between Rowling and Steventon from superintending your education myself, the care of which will probably on that account devolve on your father and mother, I think it is my particular duty to prevent your feeling as much as possible the want of my personal instructions, by addressing to you, on paper, my opinions and admonitions on the conduct of young women, which you will find expressed in the following pages. I am, my dear niece, your affectionate aunt, the author. End of section 10. Recording by Mimi Wong.